welcome to Daily Watch Talks 142. Uh, it's been a while. We've been on holiday, uh, spending some time outside the horological circles, and we're back. Good to see you. Hi, Christian. Nick actually said that he spent days not thinking about wristwatches, and that's scary, I think. No, I didn't. I didn't. And uh, I tried to, to, to keep a bit of distance from the passion. We could just end it here, because obviously Nick is not into watches. Actually, for a week, I wore my uh, uh, G-Shock. Mudmaster. That's a great watch. It's that is a super, great watch. I, I really, uh, uh, again, appreciate the watch for what it is. I just gave that to my uh, brother-in-law. Okay. He was mugged in Porto, and he uh, he lost one of his watches to the thief, uh, a watch that I gave him some years ago, and he loved it. You know, he's an archaeologist, so he's been around the world uh, wearing the watch that I gave him, and he was, he was you know, he's, he's a big guy. Yeah. And then he was like, where's my watch? So they stole the watch. Jeez. So I gave him the Mudmaster because I think, yeah. you know, he had definitely, literally has his hands in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. And he was like really fond of it. It's so an amazing watch. The Mud, Mud, so Mudmaster, Mudmaster is a cool an, watch. an ode to the Mudmaster, but Absolutely. we're going to discuss different things uh, today. Um, Something else that's big. Yeah. The Hulk. The Hulk. It's big and green. Yes. And it's one of our childhood heroes, right? It's the... I don't know. I've never been a Marvel Guy, it's, it's not until my son, you know, really got into the Marvel movies. I was never a big cartoon guy. Well, I like the erotic cartoons, but that was when I was more than seven. Yeah. Older than seven. Um, no, but the initial Hulk in our childhood, yeah. it, it was this physical guy. It was a series on the television. Yeah, we, had a, this... we had a black and white TV. I didn't know he was green. Ah, okay. But you saw the change. He changed from a normal uh, uh, guy, kind of guy into yeah. the Hulk. Absolutely. And, and there's been generations of Hulks. Except with Rolex. Except with Rolex. And the reason we're talking about it is that uh, pretty soon, I think it's tomorrow when you see this, on between August the 12th and the 22nd, Bonham's watches will sell a full set of Hulks. It's an online auction. It's an online auction. Yeah. So that's why the span of the days that the watches are offered. Yeah. And if you check the website, you will see 10 Hulks. Yeah. And you really have to look carefully to see the, to tell the difference. But the difference is the year that they were produced. Yeah. So it's from 2010 when the, when the model was introduced until 2020 when it was uh, discontinued. So this is from a private collector who, who went all in. So he bought a new Hulk every year was in production. And all these 10 watches are unworn, mint, new old stock condition. So what impressive. What? If you like. Yeah, impressive. You're a collector. I'm a collector. Yeah. Can you imagine that someone is collecting like this, that you do identical watches and only the year and the serial number is different? Is that an investment that you're doing or is that your kind of collecting? What do you think? I think it's very single-minded. I, I, I have the respect for that, of course, but if you look at the Rolex Hulk and if you look at the Hulk from our childhood until what Hulk looks like now. Yeah. Different actors, you know, different kind of muscles, different sizes, different movies, different voices. You know, there's a lot of difference. Yeah. But if you look at these 10, I'm, I'm not specialized in, in, in the, the tiny differences in a Rolex Hulk. Uh, but let's just say if there's anything, it's tiny. Is it a slightly difference in the typography? Is it something with the bracelet? Uh, is it something exterior? I have no idea. But as I see it, it's 10 completely 
uh, identical watches, not like the Hulk, who's been in development for no, uh, more no, than it's, 50 years. It's, it's not the transformation that you see with the real Hulk, no. where this guy, no. uh, he gets into trouble and then yeah. he transforms and his yeah. clothes are taking off and stuff yeah. like that. It is, it is more subtle. Thinking, about, thinking out loud, I love collecting, mm -hmm. and men are usually collectors. Mm -hmm. uh, probably this guy or lady, I don't know, he has collected, he has this, the, the only collection in the world like this. Sure. If you look at it from that way, it's unique. Absolutely. To have the, whole, it is. the full set available. So Bonhams is selling. Um, I think the average is, uh, the estimates are between 30 and 40,000 US dollars. Well, the most expensive is a little bit more because that's the first generation. That's the first generation. But yeah. there's also, I'm just looking at it now, there's also a, a two and a half foot uh, tall Hulk statue. Yeah. Included in the sale. Uh, so, so, you know, it's, it's a fun ode to the nickname. Yeah. And Rolex collectors love nicknames. They the love Pepsi, nicknames. The Panda, the Polar, the Pussy Galore, the Bart Simpson, because of the logo that looks like the hair of Bart Simpson, etc., etc. The Batman, the Batgirl, yeah. the Starbucks, the Coke, the Pepsi. The Kermit, the Sermit, the Hulk. Yeah. So if you're not into horology and you see grown-up men talking like this about mm -hmm. their Pepsi and their Hulk and mm -hmm. their, you think they're stupid. You think they're completely well, crazy. One I did like was the Paul Newman, Paul Newman. The Paul Newman, Paul Newman. Paul Newman, elegant, isn't it? Named by the guy who made it famous and the guy who actually owned that famous watch. Yeah. Mr. Paul Newman, rest in peace. Yeah, but... Let's go back to the Hulk. Uh, of course, the Hulk was, I think, in, in the, the, if we look at the markets in the last few years, it was one of the high flyers, right? Absolutely. It was in, in Danish crowns, it was more than 200,000 at some point. Yeah. And they sold. But that was just before that magical date called Watches and Wonders. Yeah. What happened, Nick? I don't know. What happened is that Watches and Wonders was actually the perfect storm. That was the ultimate hate mm -hmm. of the market yeah. in terms of uh, pricing, in terms yeah. of, of, of... Steel um, Rolexes, Steel Rolexes, AP Rylos. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'm not the one saying it. Of course, I did my research, but I looked at some uh, data from Chronext that was actually shared uh, at WatchPro. I think WatchPro is an excellent site if you're interested in... Yeah in market situation, yeah. market values, where's the market going? Yeah. Rob has some really good insight and he has some great writers. He has some great writers. And uh, um, um, I also looked into comments that Tim Strucker, the CEO of Chrono24 yeah. did. Yeah. Of course, Chrono24 also has very relevant data to see where the market is and where the market is heading. And I think if you want to have my take, uh, uh, Watches and Wonders was the absolute Hate, especially with regards to the steel Rolexes. Not hate. Height. Height. Yes. Sorry. Not hate. Hate. It was also the heat. Yeah. Uh, regard, <laughs> regarding the, the prices, um, it was a bit of what they say, uh, um, uh, buy the rumor, sell the fact. Buy Pe the rumor, sell the fact. People were uh, uh, hoarding uh, Rolexes mm -hmm. from an investment point of view because yeah. the rumor was, okay, this one will be discontinued, the Air King will be discontinued, the Oyster Perpetuals will be discontinued. The Milgaus. The Milgaus. Which didn't. No. And then the fact was there, the announcements by Rolex during Watches and Wonders. And uh, it, 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 the market is not collapsing at all. Let's be clear on that. No. It's a correction and it's now 
probably going back to a lower stable situation. But it's not going back to where it was three or four years ago. No. It's going back to where it was around six or eight months ago. Yeah. You have to remember that. So I was looking at some of my pet techs and um, the last time I really checked on them was in November 2021. And the price really increased fast and with a lot. Yeah. Now they decreased, but it's not like 100% down. It's like 15 or 20. So still, it's a lot more than it was two or three years ago. A yeah. lot more. And it's also a very natural uh, situation because what happens when a bubble is created, mm -hmm. prices are going up. Yeah. And there is, uh, of course, there is limited demand. There is much more, uh, or limited supply. There's much more demand and limited supply. Mm -hmm. When the prices go up, more people start owning a certain watch, owning a Nautilus, start to consider, okay, at this price, I might sell it. Sure. That's a nice profit. Sure. Then the supply is coming up and the demand is decreasing a bit. Yeah. And then you have different prices. Absolutely. Well, you know, the Nautilus is still very, very uh, pricey, if you like. Yeah. But it has fallen a bit. But you also have to imagine that the 5711 Blue Dial is discontinued since January last year. Yeah. Uh, or was it the year before? So that is a discontinued watch. Yeah. But uh, when we say this, there are still waiting lists. You can't just walk into a retail and buy a steel Rolex. I think the only thing right now people are not buying is a two-tone Rolex because that's what they had to buy to get a Daytona or a GMT or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that the first Rolex is to feel anything right now is a two-tone Rolex, which is usually the watch that the retailers have in stock. Yeah. And what do you think about the, the entry levels, the Air King and the Milgausses? They went down to approximately 10K in euros. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw just before Watches and Wonders, uh, you know, buying the rumor. Yeah. Uh, I saw some offered at around 16,000 euros. Yeah. They went up. But the 116900 yeah. Air King with the odd dial and everything, which was basically just a Milgauss with a different dial and a different bracelet. Yeah. So... When I saw the new Air King, just with shoulders, a, a different dial layout, you know, a slightly bigger bezel, uh, an improved bracelet, I didn't really like it because I really got used to the oddball design of yeah. the uh, 116900, which I own. Uh, but I have to admit, you know, in the beginning, I was crazy about the left-hand GMT Master. And now, you know, months have gone on and, you know, people are starting wearing them and go like, maybe I like the new Air King better. <laughs> Maybe I do. But the problem is it looks a, probably too much like the 116900, yeah. except for the shoulders and slight differences visually. So if it completely went out of the collection, I think the, the older Air King would have been... It would probably have kept a high price as compared to now where it's around 11 11,000. The fun thing is I hear you talking. I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm a Rolex outsider. You know that. I love Rolex. I appreciate Rolex, but not as a collector. And I'm always puzzled by the amount of uh, excitement that there is in the market on every tiny little change in detail on the watch. Nicknames. Nicknames, yeah, of course. The, and the, Dial the, configurations. Yeah. Red this, red that. Bart Simpson this, uh, you know, underline, uh, hyphens. Uh, 
crazy. No, but I love it because that means there is so much passion. If you have uh, this list of nicknames as a brand and if you have people discussing and debating and appreciating mm. any tiny little change you make on a watch, you're doing pretty well. It's well, really that's good. because of the Rolex consistency. Yeah. I remember back in the days before the craze, when Rolex came out uh, and they purchased uh, the Sapphire Crystal produ uh, producer, yeah. uh, so there, there was a, a, a tiny cornet laser engraved around the six marker. See, you had to tilt your watch in a different light to actually see that. And uh, when I got my first uh, Daytona back in the days, uh, my edition had thin hands. Once I realized that the next generation had the fat hands, I went to the Rolex retailer and said, like, I want the new hands. So I wanted it to look new. Yeah, Again, yeah, I was, yeah, I was yeah, not yeah, yeah. too much into the vintage back then. Uh, I wanted it to look new, like Steve Martin, no more of that old wine. Give me the freshest wine you yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, it's different. You want to keep everything uh, original, like uh, this wonderful Tudor Submariner I recently purchased during great the summer. Piece. It's yeah. a great piece. Yeah. This is the 9411 zero from 1975. Uh, the dial looks like uh, an exploded asshole, if you like, or the inside out of a volcano. Same thing. Uh, I don't even know what an exploded asshole looks like. But anyway. I'll look at your dial. It, 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 it kind of looks like the new Patek, doesn't it? The annual calendar travel time, because I can say that this is inspired by vintage cameras. No, it's not. It's a shitty dial yeah. that, uh, with time, shows this grainy surface. Um, it's actually blue as well as the uh, bezel insert. Uh, the luminous dot at 12 is definitely new because it's, it, 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 it's luminous and so it's luminova. Uh, but the tritium on the hands and the snowflake uh, indices is, is sandy and you can tell there's been probably some water or humidity inside the watch. But it's just a cool watch. This tells time, it's, it's been serviced, but it also tells time as being a funky 1975 idea to do something different because I'm Tudor design. Rolex wouldn't do this, it's too funky. They had the Explorer 2, the Frecione, if yeah, you like, that yeah, was yeah, odd, yeah. from the same period. This is 1975. It's a really cool. cool watch. The only thing that's been exchanged on this one, this actually has a Tudor signed uh, bracelet. Probably should have been born with a Rolex bracelet, but by time, you know, if you have a 1975 Oyster bracelet, it probably has some wear in it. The fun thing is it reminds me of a time when a watch was a watch. It was a tool. It was a tool. That's it was something time. that you bought and you bought a new one after a few years. There yeah. was no collecting. No. There was no investing. There was no market value or graphs on to see what is the current state of the market of your watch. Mm. And that is something that we, I think, we appreciate. You know what's really weird with the Tudor Submariners? The vintage ones mm -hmm. are priced only a little shy. The Tudor Submariners yeah, are yeah. priced a little shy uh, compared to the Rolex Submariner. So the, the, the sister model to this one yeah. is the Rolex Submariner 1680, yeah. uh, which was in production until 1979. And... Um, Right now, they're increasing like crazy because of the configurations of the snowflake and the blue dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you wanted a blue dial from that time, you would have to buy yourself a gold or a gold steel version. But it's, 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 it's a good alternative. Yeah. Going back to the market, it's, it's what you all also 
heavily debated, and we discussed it here before, if some pieces are in extremely high demand and basically unobtainable, then you start looking at alternatives, and the alternatives are rising, and that is what we saw with Vacheron, that's what we saw with the Lange Odysseus, that's what we saw with um, even Girard Perigo, the Laureato, mm -hmm. even this other great purchase of yours, IWC. People, 37, 12. At some point, when you pay 16,000 for a, a Milgaus, yep. then this is a very, very smart investment. Erking, not Milgaus. Oh, sorry, Erking, yeah. But same watch. Yeah, it's the same Who watch. Who cares? And the price is similar. Now, this one, um, this was a very spontaneous buy. This screams Richard Habring more than any other IWC, I think. Yeah. See, the, the 3712 uh, Portuguese is manual wind Rattrapant. So, of course, the 3711, uh, which was a pilot's watch, yeah. was automatic. And that was actually released already in 92. Yeah. Uh, still, Richard Habring is behind the, the movement. But because the Portuguese is, uh, is known for its slimness, uh, you couldn't put an automatic movement inside. And I think, to me, even without the Ratsapant, uh, the Portuguese uh, uh, chronograph is a beautiful watch. And I think, of course, it's a Valjoux 7750. That's the, the base Eboge. Um, but what they do, they tilt it 45 degrees. Yep. So, yep. You get, so you get the beacon packs like this. But the numerals and the where you tell the constant time um, is gold or gilt, if you like. Everything that has to do with the chronograph is blued hands. So I think... It reminds me of another watch that uh, we... It uh, reminds uh, me of Freddy Constant we uh, did. Exactly. Uh, but what I really like about this, it's a perfect size. It's around 40 millimeters. Um, it represents traditions of uh, modern horology. I like the Rassapant, but also the legibility of the dial and everything just makes a lot of sense. I think the architecture, the legibility, the wearability, uh, the tractor movement inside, the Richard Harbring edition of the Rassapant, the split seconds, is just brilliant. It has all the charm of the 90s as well. Yeah. And that's when we grew up, yeah, horology-wise. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it's... It's beautiful, and I love, and that is what I always appreciate about uh, IWC. They should get the credits for that. They democratized specific complications, like the Rattrapante, mm. like the Perpetual Calendar in the Da Vinci. Yeah. They made it simpler yeah. and available to, uh, yeah, in a different price range. Yeah, yeah. I'm wearing it on a, on a green textile uh, strap, which makes it look a little sporty. It's not really a sports watch because water resistant does not appeal to any swimming at all. Don't nope, wear it to no, the no, showers no, no. either. But it just looks great. And uh, we have still have a very hot summer here in Denmark. And uh, you don't want to wear an alligator because you're going to sweat it through and it's going to cost you a lot of money to replace it. So this is like a, you know, a $30 uh, textile strap that I just found on the internet. Super solid, very pleasant wear, just looks great with a military jacket, by the way, um, and this great textile uh, strap. So, Super. Yeah. So, well, uh, That was a great summer uh, purchase. Of yeah. course, the, the Linda Berlin, I mean, you know my love for the brand. And uh, I was recently taking some pictures of the, of the co-founder, Jan Berlin, um, and he asked me if I wanted to borrow this one. This is the Octopus Moon, mm -hmm. with, the, with the, you know, they're inspired by the original Hasselblad yeah. Pictures of the moon from 69. 
which are luminous. They're all luminous. All the moon phases are luminous, as well as, of course, the hands and the markers. Titanium, titanium bezel, gold crown, bronze dial. So the skeletonized bra uh, dial is bronze, so all of them are unique. And by time, probably, it'll change color. So, of course, it's, it's fitted on the, on, the, on the brown rubber strap, which is just a really pleasant wear. It's a prototype, so I didn't, I didn't bring it for my holidays uh, because uh, I go swimming uh, and I didn't want to ruin it with salt water. So, but it's a, it's a cool looking watch. I've been wearing it a lot. I like the, the, the color scheme on this one, you know, the, the brown, the gold, the bronze, and the wonderful matte, dark gray, grade five titanium. I'm a big fan of titanium. You're a big fan. I'm a big fan of Chapek. Yep. Is, uh, yes, you are. Uh, actually, not a summer watch. It has a, it has um, um, alligator strap. An alligator, so I have to be yep. careful on that. But sure. I'm not wearing it that much, to be honest, and certainly not uh, in the summer holidays. But no. today was a good day. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was the that was the Hulk. Uh, that was course, the Hulk. Just, uh, a I bit of the market. I um, brought the uh, the uh, the pigskin Horus, caliber four hundred. Uh, the reason why I bought it, uh, brought it was actually because uh, Nick borrowed it for the summer. And I see that you've been wearing it a lot, boss man. <laughs> Jesus, it's scratched up like crazy. It's like uh, I gave you a pair of shoes and asked you to walk, the, walk them through. <laughs> no, but again, it's just it's, it's a great summer's watch. Well, it's a great all-year-round watch. It's super light again, titanium, has the caliber 400 inside. Perfect size. Yeah, five days uh, uh, power reserve, automatic. It has a 10-year service warranty. I'm not going to say more about this great watch because we've done a one-minute review already. We've talked about these great Oris watches. Yeah, but we should do more with Oris. We love the brand. Yes, we do. We probably meet them in um, uh, Geneva Watch Days. Geneva Watch Days. It's, uh, it's August 29 weeks. until September 2nd. See, we can't be there all week. We can't attend all week because we have a very, very important event on September the second. Yeah, do not mention, but you will get notified anyway Absolutely. because it will be here as well. Yeah. Uh, but before Geneva Watch Days, that's in a few weeks, we will probably have one or two other videos because we're fresh again. Holidays are over, so we resume our, our sequence of the weekly Daily Watch Talk. Absolutely. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe yeah. right here. And uh, we love to see you next week. All right, be good. Bye. Bye.